Highlights of the Security Service files released to the National Archives. Presented by Professor Christopher Andrew. For many historians, the highlight of the latest MI5 declassification at the National Archives will be the multi-volume files on two of the world's leading communist historians, both of them British, Christopher Hill and Eric Hobsbawm. Christopher Hill's file, which begins at KV2-3941, shows that he first came to MI5's attention when he visited Russia in 1935 while still an undergraduate at Oxford University. He returned to Russia in 1936 and was so impressed that he joined the Communist Party. After World War II, MI5 considered Hill, then a fellow and later master of Balliol College, as, quote, one of the leading communists at Oxford University. In 1951, it applied successfully for a Home Office warrant, HOW, to intercept Hill's correspondence and telephone calls in the belief that this would increase MI5's, quote, knowledge of communism and the universities in general, as well as of Hill's own activities. The product of the HOW adds to our understanding of, for example, Hill's decision to leave the party in 1957 in protest against the leadership's attempt to stifle criticism of the Soviet suppression of the Hungarian Rising in 1956. The party leader, John Gollan, was heard to say that, quote, out of those who had left, he would not have done much to dissuade any of them except Christopher Hill. Christopher Hill wrote to Communist Party HQ in an intercepted letter which is on his file. We have been living for too long in a world of illusions. It was a smug, cosy little world. Unlike Hill, Eric Hobsbawm, whose file begins at KV2-3980, remained a party member after the Hungarian Rising, though he fell out with some party hardliners. The veteran hardliner D.N. Pritt was overheard by MI5 complaining angrily to Gollan about, quote, that nasty piece of work, Eric Hobsbawm. Other senior party figures were annoyed to discover that he was writing for the Daily Mail and other non-communist publications under the pen name Francis Newton. Hobsbawm, however, continued to encourage young people to join the Communist Party. In the last volume of his file to be released, which goes up to 1963... He's reported, for example, as congratulating the West Middlesex Young Communist League on what he calls the encouraging results of its recruiting drive. The files also contain copies of Hobsbawm's party membership cards for the early 1960s, as well as intercepted correspondence and transcripts of telephone calls. The MI5 files which attracted most media interest in the last declassification earlier this year were those on World War II deception operations by an MI5 officer using the alias Jack King, who posed as a secret Gestapo representative in wartime Britain, a subterfuge that enabled him to identify British Nazi sympathisers. Some of the pro-Nazis even passed him secret information, including details of research into the jet engine, in the mistaken belief that he would pass it to Germany. Files in the latest release, beginning at KV2-3873, reveal for the first time that King's true identity was Eric Roberts. 
His file also includes transcripts of conversations with Nazi sympathisers who suggest to him ways to damage the British war effort and assist a German invasion. The file on Miguel del Pozo, which begins at KV2-3848, also sheds new light on MI5 deception operations in World War II. Del Pozo arrived in London in 1940 on an espionage mission for the German Abwehr, posing as a Spanish journalist, and achieved instant notoriety in Britain by publicly forecasting a German victory. After studying his intercepted phone calls and correspondence and placing him under surveillance, MI5 concluded that Pozo was, quote, a dissolute and irresponsible young man, aged 26, of the playboy type. Del Pozo greatly simplified MI5's surveillance of him by contacting an MI5 double agent codenamed GW, whom he and the Upfair wrongly believed was a fanatical Welsh nationalist working for them. Del Pozo handed GW a talcum powder tin containing £3,500 in large denomination banknotes, over £100,000 at current values, and probably the largest sum yet handed to a British agent, other than funds given to agents intended for organisations. GW was instructed to send weekly reports on the activities of Welsh nationalists and on arms and aircraft production to the hall porter at the Spanish embassy, who would forward them to Del Pozo. Though Del Pozo didn't realise it, GW's reports, all based on disinformation, were part of the wartime double-cross system, which successfully deceived the Apfair. The context of the case uh, is in my history of MI5, The Defence of the Realm. The most intriguing Russian intelligence officer whose MI5 file is in the latest release, beginning at KV2, stroke 3897, is that on Rudolf Abel. So far as is known, Abel was the Soviet Union's only British-born intelligence officer, as opposed to agent. When this file was compiled, however, MI5 was unaware that Abel's real name was William Fisher, and that he'd been born in 1903 in Newcastle-on-Tyne. Abel's file thus needs to be read in conjunction with the material from his KGB file, which was smuggled to Britain after the collapse of the Soviet Union by the former KGB senior archivist Vasily Mitrokhin. Mitrokhin and I used some of this material in our book, The Mitrokhin Archive. Since July this year, Almost all the material extracted by Matrokin from KGB archives has been available to researchers at Churchill College Archives Centre, Cambridge. It shows that from 1947, as a deep-cover illegal Soviet intelligence officer, Fisher was running a major spy network in the United States. Soviet intelligence was clearly pleased with his work and in 1949 awarded him the Order of the Red Banner. Fisher's MI5 file reports his arrest by the FBI in 1956. Mitrokin's notes on his KGB file reveal that the name he used on his arrest, Rudolf Abel, was really that of a deceased former friend and KGB colleague. Fisher knew that the news of Abel's arrest in the press would alert the KGB to what had happened without revealing his true identity. Fisher was later exchanged on the celebrated Bridge of Spies Glenica Bridge in Berlin for the captured American U-2 pilot Gary Powers, who had been shot down over Russia on May Day 1960. 
The three-volume file on the colourful American businessman Julius Hammer and his son Armand, beginning at KV2-3898, also contains valuable, though complex, information on the beginnings of Soviet covert operations in the United States during the 1920s. Both Julius and Armand had an important role in laundering Soviet funds for secret transmission to the American communist movement. Their MI5 file, however, needs to be studied in conjunction with Russian and American files on them. Lenin thought a 1921 report on the hammers from an American communist so important that he sent a copy to Stalin marked strictly secret. According to the report, after America's entry into the war, it was impossible for Julius Hammer to make a dash for Russia so he decided instead to play the bourgeoisie at their own game, i.e. to make a lot of money, but to use it to support revolution. He succeeded brilliantly. The most currently controversial case of a suspected Cold War Soviet spy in the latest MI5 release is that of the senior New Zealand diplomat and civil servant, William Bill Such, whose file begins at KV23929. As with William Fisher, alias Arbel, Such's MI5 file needs to be read in conjunction with the material from his KGB file in the Metrokin archive at Churchill College, Cambridge. Though Metrokin does not identify Such by name, his notes, widely reported recently by the New Zealand media, mention a high-level agent codenamed Maori, recruited in 1950, whose date of birth and career details in New Zealand closely match those of such. Among other alleged Soviet agents in the latest MI5 release is the Indian nationalist and diplomat A.C.N. Nambiar, whose file begins at KV2-3904. Nambiar was accused after World War II of having been a Nazi collaborator. In 1959, however, a defector claimed that he had worked from the 1920s for Soviet military intelligence, the GRU. That controversial claim needs further research. There is no relevant material on Nambiar in the Metrokin archive, which deals only with the KGB, not the GRU. Declassified MI5 files in the National Archives are currently changing the way that the history of the British Empire, as well as of Britain itself, is researched and written. MI5 was an imperial as well as a UK security service with intelligence responsibilities for British and Commonwealth territories around the world until the end of the 1960s. Officers who joined MI5 after the Second World War could expect to spend a quarter to a third of their careers on overseas postings. Until recently, however, most histories of British decolonisation did not even mention the role of MI5. This year's winner of the Longman's History Today book prize, Empire of Secrets by Calder Walton, demonstrates, however, that the KV series in the National Archives is an indispensable source for understanding the end of the British Empire, the largest empire in world history. The latest MI5 release provides a number of new examples, among them the file beginning on KV2-3887 on Julius Nyerere, leader of the independence movement in Tanganyika and later first president of Tanzania. MI5 was asked by the colonial office to keep Nyerere 
under surveillance during independence negotiations in London. The alarmist case for a Home Office warrant on Nyerere, made by successive colonial secretaries and accepted by successive Home Secretaries, now appears flimsy. There was no credible evidence linking Nyerere to subversion. On the contrary, his file shows him to have been a devout Catholic as well as a popular leader, profoundly opposed to violence, striving to create a non-racial society. His determination to create a nation open to all races, Europeans and Asians included, was so strong that in opposing those who were against a multiracial society, he was prepared to put at risk his own position at the head of the independence movement. Nyerere's file will be a major source for historians of East Africa. Among the more curious documents in Nyerere's file is an intercepted letter sent to him by John Stonehouse MP arranging for a meeting at the Commons in 1959. Though MI5 didn't realise it at the time, Stonehouse, unlike Nyerere, was a genuinely subversive character. In the 1980s, MI5 obtained persuasive evidence summarised in my history of MI5 that Stonehouse had been an agent of the Czechoslovak Foreign Intelligence Service, a reliable ally of the KGB, known as the STB. Stonehouse is also well known for having tried to fake his own death in 1974. Though the case for opening an MI file on Nyerere was dubious, there was a much more straightforward case for keeping a file on Colonel Georgios Grivas, which begins at KV2-3878. During the Cyprus emergency, Grivas led the Ioka guerrillas fighting for union with Greece, sometimes disguised as a priest as he moved around the Trudos Mountains. The leading MI5 officer in Cyprus... Brigadier Bill McGann, who died in 2010 at the age of 101, came close to capturing Grivas. He probably would have done so, but for the fear that Grivas's capture would endanger the negotiations which led in 1959 to the creation of the Independent Republic of Cyprus. Grivas's six-volume file contains a lengthy personality profile of him by McGann, partly based on his captured diaries, of which there are some extracts in his file. McGann wrote that his report might be considered, quote, a trifle colourful for an official paper. He acknowledged Grivas's exceptional single-mindedness, as he called it, in pursuing union with Greece, but concluded that Grivas was an indifferent guerrilla leader, quote. Had the spirit of Ioka been more offensive... Had there been more courage in their hearts, they could, shielded as they were by nearly the whole Greek Cypriot population, have on any day of the week carried out as many murders as they did in a month and forced the British, as was the case a decade ago in Palestine, into a life of barbed wire cages, enormously increasing the static guarding commitment of the army. MI5 files declassified in recent years have contained important material on the end of the British mandate in Palestine and the foundation of the State of Israel. The latest release includes a two-volume file beginning at KV2-3860 on the British-born Abba Iban, who later became a prominent Israeli diplomat and politician serving for eight years as foreign minister. Before World War II, however... Iban seemed destined for a brilliant academic career at Cambridge University. During the war, 
he worked for British intelligence. His MI5 file contains some details of his wartime service in both the intelligence corps and in SOE, the Special Operations Executive. He later worked as a political liaison officer, probably with an intelligence role, in the Jewish Agency in London. His file contains a letter announcing his post-war decision to take Israeli citizenship. The earliest file in the current release, beginning at KV2-3846, is on one of the most colourful World War I German intelligence officers, Franz von Rentelen, who surprisingly has so far attracted little or no attention in any of the centenary publications and broadcasts on the First World War. Von Rentelen, who later liked to style himself the Dark Invader, operated mainly in the United States, which he entered on a false Swiss passport. His most celebrated exploit is believed to have been his part in the sabotage operation in 1916, which blew up a huge munitions depot on Black Tom Island in New York Harbor and destroyed a massive shipment of explosives awaiting transport to Russia for use against the Germans and their allies on the Eastern Front. The explosion was the biggest in mainland America before 9-11. The blast shattered thousands of windows in Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Jersey City. Rentland later became an opponent of Adolf Hitler and in the 1930s renounced his German nationality. In World War II, he repeatedly offered his services to assist the British war effort, but he was always turned down. As usual, the latest MI5 release contains numerous topics, both for media stories and academic research. Undergraduates seeking subjects for final year dissertations and postgraduates looking for PhD topics will find numerous possibilities in the KV series. The National Archives have once again produced a very helpful short guide to the latest MI5 release. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved.